I'm really excited to be here this morning and have a chance to share the Word of God with you. Uh, like most all of you, like all of you that are watching right now, my family and I have been sitting at home uh, watching church service on Sunday morning. And last Sunday, in fact, because it was Easter, I told them, everybody's got to wear pants today. <laughs> no pajamas for church today. So, But uh, that was because it was Easter. We wanted to all have our, our church clothes on. But if you're sitting there with your jammy pants on and your coffee cup, it is okay because we're still in church together. We're still the people of God who've come together for worship and the preaching of the word and prayer. So you're in church right now. We are, we are the church. As Pastor Justin said, the church of Jesus Christ will not be broken because of any plague or any pestilence or any peril. And so we are, we are the church I would like to ask you to stand as we read the Word of God. And I know that you may have your foot up on the ottoman there, but, but let's just stand up knowing that we, the people of God, are standing. You know, because when we watch the Super Bowl, when somebody's about to make a touchdown, we're all out of our seat, right? So let's do that for the Word of God today. Let's stand for the reading of the Word of God. And I'll be reading from John chapter 15. John chapter 15, and I'll start in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Amen. Amen. All right, you can put your feet back up on the ottoman now. It'll be good. So normally, when we preach through this, many, many pastors, we talk a lot about the branches, and we talk a lot about the fruit. I want to talk today about the vine. Because this is an I am statement. Pastor Justin has been preaching through these powerful statements that Jesus makes. And he's telling us who he is. It's important for us to understand that. And it's, it's a very powerful lesson if we're willing to learn it. These I am statements are not about what Jesus is like. It's not a metaphor. It's not a simile. Jesus used a lot of parables. This is not a parable. Jesus is not saying, I am like a vine. He said many times, the kingdom of God is like a king who's throwing a wedding feast, or the kingdom of God is like a treasure buried in a field. But he's not doing that now. He's saying, I am. He's telling us who he is. There's nothing metaphorical about this. This is what Jesus is. He is the true vine. I want to focus on that first phrase, and that's what I want to talk about today, where he says, I am the true vine. When Jesus says, I am the true vine, he's making an I am statement. He's, and that meant something to the people who were listening to him, to the Jewish people who were listening to him, because it took their mind back to a passage in Exodus that I want to read to you. Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. Moses said to God, Behold, when I come to the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? 
Moses is imagining going down to, to, to Egypt and saying, listen, all of you people who are in slavery, the God of your fathers has sent me to, to save you, to bring you out of slavery. And they're going to say, what's his name? And Moses doesn't know what to tell them. And here's what God says to him in verse 14. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shall you say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Jesus is saying, I am the vine. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. He's saying, I am God. It's important that we understand that those words, I am, mean something very important to the people who are listening to Jesus, and they should mean that same thing to us. I am God. That's what he's saying. The idea of the vine is a common theme in the Old Testament. So I want to talk with you a little bit before we start into the vine part about viniculture, about the culture of growing grapes. And so I hope, uh, Pastor Justin, the next time that a group comes from uh, Mountain View, that I can take you into the wine country in southern Lebanon, the southern part of the Bekaa Valley, because there are vineyards there that are in an area that's been producing wine for thousands of years. The viniculture there is a very ancient practice. And so in order to understand this, you need to understand that there's a real difference between the nature of the branches and the nature of the vine. Most of you know what muscadines are. They grow in the wild here. They're a wild grape. They're a wild vine and they're very strong. You have to work hard to kill those things out if you want to. Uh, Most of you, like me, would rather eat the muscadines. But they're an example of how much a natural vine thrives in its environment. But the people of the ancient world wanted to produce more useful fruit. And so they worked, these vine dressers did, on the pruning of the vines, but also developing kinds that grew better fruit, more tasty fruit, more productive fruit. But the problem was they weren't growing them for the strength of the vine. They were growing them for the fruit. So what they did was they would take the branches off of these tastier vines and graft them into the strong natural root. And so that's why you see, when you go through the southern part of Lebanon, you see them trimming back the vine all the way to the root. They do that every once in a while so that it can grow and they can graft in new branches. But the root stays, the natural root stays. And so when Jesus is saying, I am the vine, they understood him to be saying to them, I am the natural source of all strength. That's what Jesus is saying. I am, he's saying he's God. Vine means something very important to the people of Israel. And I want to take you to a a scripture here in Psalm 80. Psalm 80 that talks a lot about the idea of Israel as a vine. Psalm 80 verse 8 says, You brought a vine out of Egypt. So this is the people of Israel being brought out of Egypt. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. So he's talking about the promised land now, how God drove the people, the the other groups out of the promised land and planted the people of Israel there. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea, and it shoots to the river. So the the people that were listening to Jesus when he was telling them, 
I am the true vine. They understood the symbolism of the vine. They had been told their whole life that Israel, their people, was the vine. That as sons of Abraham, they were in the vine. That as the children of Israel, they were in the vine. This, this idea of the vine was very important to their identity. But then Jesus says something really significant. The word true here is important. Jesus said, I'm the true vine. Not the other vines you've heard about, but I'm the true vine. There is no way other than Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are. Will you pray for your Muslim friends? Will you pray for your Buddhist friends? Will you pray for your Hindu friends, your atheist friends, your Jewish friends? Will you pray for all of them that they will discover the true vine? Jesus didn't say, I am one of several equally valid ways. He didn't say that. He didn't say, I am a truth. Jesus made strong and exclusive claims about himself. I am the way. I am the vine. I am the door. There's not another way. And so what Jesus is saying to these people that are listening to him is powerful. They would not have missed it. And I don't want you to miss it either. We just, um, we just finished Easter. We just finished Easter. And if, if, like me, you remember back to those stories about Jesus and the crucifixion, you'll remember that the people who were supposed to be believing and supposed to be in the vine missed the vine. They said, we have no king but Caesar. They said, give us Barabbas. About Jesus, they said, crucify him. They rejected the vine. They rejected the true vine and were cut off. In Isaiah chapter 5, verse 5, it says this about the vine. Now remember, this is the vine God had carefully brought out of Egypt and lovingly planted in the promised land and tended it and cared for it that it would grow and take root. Remember the love God had for that vine when he planted that vine in the promised land. In Isaiah chapter 5, verse 5, And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed and briars and thorns will grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah and his pleasant planting. He looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, an outcry. The Lord was looking for justice and righteousness in his vine. What he found was bloodshed and an outcry. So he rooted it up and he threw it out. But friends, there's hope for all of us. There is hope for all of us in the true vine. Listen in Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, verse 23. This is Paul talking about his own people. About his own people who thought they were in the vine, but weren't in the true vine. And even they, in verse 23 it says, and even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature, 
into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back onto their own olive tree? So what he's saying is that these people can be grafted back in. If we as the Gentiles from a wild root can be grafted into the true vine, then the people who grew up in thinking they were in the vine can be more easily grafted back in than we can. Will you pray for your unbelieving friends? Maybe they think they have a right religion. Maybe they're pleasant, good neighbors. They're people that you love being around, but they need to be in the true vine. Not just any old vine will do. Pray for your Hindu friend, your Buddhist friend, your Muslim friend, your atheist friend, your Jewish friend, that they will believe and be grafted into the true vine. There's only one true vine. Here's something that we need to really understand. Jesus didn't become the true vine. Jesus has always been the true vine. There's only ever been one true vine. Jesus was always that vine. Everything in the Old Testament leads up to Jesus. It, it leads up as a crescendo to that moment on Calvary when Jesus died, was put in the tomb and rose from the dead. Everything was leading up to that. The tree of life in the garden was about Jesus. The skins that God put on Adam and Eve to cover their sin were about Jesus. Jesus was the ark. Jesus was the mercy seat. Everything is leading up to him. There's only ever been one true vine. Jesus is eternal and unchanging. He's the eternal son of God. He's the eternal true vine. Listen in Hebrews, and, and people, when I say that, people say, well, what about the Old Testament? Prophets of old and the believers, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Noah and all of them. Let's go to Hebrews, to Hebrews chapter 10. Let's understand this about the sacrifice of Christ. But when Christ had offered for all time, all time, a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. For those who are being sanctified, he made one sacrifice for all time. You say, well, Chris, that's probably just going forward. That's probably not retroactive. No. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says about the patriarchs, it's called the Hall of Fame. Starts with Abel and works its way through all of the Old Testament prophets and people of God and how they had faith in the promise of God. It says about them in verse 39 in Hebrews 11, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for them, for us, that they, apart from us, they should not be made perfect. God provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. They were made perfect on the cross. They were made perfect as we were in the blood of Christ shed once for all sin, for all time, for those who are being sanctified. Jesus has always been the true vine and there's never been any true vine but Him. Now, I do want to talk a little bit about the branches. I would be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit about the branches and the fruit. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. 
We know that we are branches who are grafted into the vine, and the purpose of that is for us to bear fruit. We're, we're, we're grafted in in order to bear fruit. The fact that we're in the vine should excite us. It should excite us because now we have the power of that natural strong vine so that we can produce the fruit we were meant to produce. I talked with you about the viniculture and how the these branches were designed, they were they were cultivated over centuries to bear the best fruit, to bear the, the most useful fruit. And God, it says here, is the vine dresser. Let's go back to the very first statement. Jesus said, I'm the true vine. My father's the vine dresser. God is the one who's been preparing us, the branches, to be grafted into that strong root of Jesus Christ to bear fruit. Now, what is that fruit? There are a lot of answers to that question. I'll tell you what I believe it is. I believe it's the fruit of a changed life, of a person who's been born again, who is seeing the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their life, who is working in the kingdom of God. That's the fruit that he wants to see from us, the branches. So I want to encourage you to understand that if you are a believer of Jesus Christ, you are grafted in to the true vine. The only thing that's ever been true is the true vine. And you are grafted into that solid foundation. You can depend on that. It was made strong in your life when you were grafted into it. We were, we were on a weak foundation. We were on a weak root. And God took us from that, from our worldly concerns, and he grafted us into the true vine, the place where we're going to find real strength. I want you to take joy in being drafted into, grafted into that true vine, but I want you to remember, this is not a parable. This is not a simile or a metaphor. This is Jesus telling us exactly who he is in plain language. I am God. That's what he's saying in the beginning. Purpose of these I am statements, I'm God. I am the true vine, the vine, the source of strength for those that are grafted into it. The true vine. <clears throat> the true vine. There's never been another. <clears throat> There's never been another true vine. He's the only one who's ever been the true vine. I'd like to ask you to join me in prayer as we pray over this word, and then I'll turn it back over to Pastor Justin. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the true vine. You are the true vine. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, eternally the true vine, the only vine. 